Good morning, Sherman Street. So a couple of weeks ago, I preached a sermon called People of the Struggle, where I tried to assure us all that it is okay to struggle, that it's to be expected, that it's part of our faith, and that there is even blessing in it. Um, today, I want to say that we are also people of the party, that a huge part of our spiritual life, as our, our growth as Christians, and even our witness to the truth of the gospel, is to insist on joy, to engage in what Richard Foster calls the discipline of celebration. Um, I'm more of a like naturally morose kind of person. Uh, I'm an Enneagram four, for those of you who know what that means. Uh, so I love to descend into the depths and revel in sadness and grief. Like you can't give me too much emotion. Um, and I love to give meaning to that darkness and that's all right. Uh, it can be a bit of a problem sometimes, but but it's also a gift. Uh, but this week I got an email that really struck me um, because I identified with it a lot. So the writer said, it's almost like because of the circumstances, like the way that the world is just struggling in a lot of ways right now. She said, it's almost like because of the circumstances, I can't allow myself to feel joy or it feels undeserved. I'm afraid of getting lost in moments and losing track of the frightening reality we're living in. Man, that just, uh, I just resonated with that a lot. And maybe some of you do too. When things are difficult in the world, I feel guilty if I'm not thinking about it all the time. It feels like I shouldn't be joyful because someone else is hurting. And somewhere lurking in the background is this fear that if I don't keep that pain in the forefront of my mind, I might forget about the suffering of the world. Like as if the news would ever let that happen. Um, I'm starting to believe actually that that is the voice of the enemy. There is a dog barking and I'm gonna close this door. I don't think that helped at all. So we're just gonna carry on. Anyway, <laughs> so what was I saying? Oh, right. I'm starting to think that that um, voice that says, like, you can't be joyful is the voice of the enemy. Um, so I want to say today that it is true. We are people of the struggle, named for Israel, who struggled with God, and also that it is part of our callings as Christians to press into joy. Because of all that Jesus has done, we are people who are able to sing even in the darkest moments. Like Paul and Silas in Acts 16, they were stripped naked in the public square, beaten with rods and thrown in prison. And the text says, with their feet in stocks, they sang praises to God. That's the joy that the gospel makes possible. Like it wouldn't have been wrong for them to grieve or to cry out, but their joy was possible because they trust in God. I don't mean to invite you all into some lifeless party where we all repress our grief and sing even though everything is terrible. I want to invite you into a joy that is possible because you trust in the God who is making all things new, who has not just left us to struggle forever, but has entered bodily into that struggle and finished it for us on the cross. As Paul prays for the belie for believers in Romans 15, 13, I want to pray for you. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Spirit. 
That God of hope who fills you with joy is the same God that promises in Isaiah 35 that one day water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool and thirsty ground bubbling springs. And that gladness and joy will overtake all those who have been ransomed by the Lord. That sorrow and even sighing will flee away. Everlasting joy will crown your heads, it says. It is the same God of hope who promises in Isaiah 25, a feast of rich foods for all people, that one day the darkness, that shroud that covers all the nations will be destroyed and death will be swallowed up forever, that the sovereign Lord will wipe away all tears from all faces. There is no guilt in joy for the Christian, because as much as we are people of the struggle, we are also people of the promise. A people who trust in a God who is making all things new, who has invited us to a feast that begins even now, no matter how depressing the news is, no matter how much pain the world holds. Now, I want to I wanna stress that this is not, it is absolutely not the power of positive thinking. Um, this is not the denial of those who want to say like, oh, everything's just great right now. And how could I ever get down when I have Jesus like that? I think that kind of denial is an evil that leads us to be callous towards grief and to close our eyes to injustice. I am not talking about that. We hold both the pain and the promise together. Our faith allows us to look squarely into the darkness, to see it clearly and to not be afraid. Not because we're wishing it away, but because we have hope in Christ. I've heard it said that um, people with the clearest vision of the kingdom of God are often the people who have the clearest sense that things are not as they are supposed to be. You know, they can see so clearly what's not right with the world because they can also see the beauty that the world was meant for. And that's a holy vision and it comes with holy grief. I think that's why Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn, who see what it was supposed to be and what it's not. But our faith in our good God allows us, allows us to hold that right alongside our joy, without denial and without guilt, that we would not be overcome by evil, but that we would overcome evil with good. You know, we can stare into the yawning darkness of injustice and oppression and corruption and loss and fear. We can walk right in there and we can sing and feast and even in the presence of our enemies. Um, Martin Luther, um, in writing to a friend who was struggling with melancholy, it says, I don't know exactly what that meant, but that's the description. Anyway, he's writing this letter and he wrote, whenever the devil harasses you thus, um, you know, with melancholy. Uh, whenever the devil harasses you thus, seek the company of others, or drink more, or joke, and talk nonsense, or do some other merry thing. Sometimes we must drink more, sport, recreate ourselves. I even sin a little to spite the devil. I don't know what you think about sinning a little, but uh, Luther knew our freedom, our faith gives us such freedom to laugh into the darkness to fight against it, 
but also to delight now because of the good that's on its way. And our delight becomes part of our resistance. Strengthen feeble hands, Isaiah 35 says. Steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong and do not fear. Your God will come. And things are really hard right now for a whole ton of reasons. And we can wrestle with that in whatever ways we need to. And we can also throw a party to spite it. And our party can declare, this darkness is not the truest thing about the world. Your God reigns. The kingdom is near. Uh, at New Hope every year, we used to uh, join this cardboard boat regatta uh, that was put on by the local grocery store. And I always felt like it was some of our best witness to the gospel. Um, the teams were mostly made up of businesses or families, and um, they had worked really hard on having a great boat. Actually, one year we were the only boat. <laughs> this is a small town. Anyway, uh, we were just this like ragtag group of people, rich and poor, young and old, bringing out our usually kind of crappy boat that we had worked really hard to pull together and we would laugh and we would play together. We got in trouble um, a couple of times for uh, by the police from the police boat who was like supervising because we had too many people on our boat or because we were jumping off um, and our boat usually sank. We were this community that no one would have expected, just delighting together. And the laughter of a community like that who struggles together, grieves together, who fights and makes peace and still rejoices. And that is the gospel in action. I actually think that Christian service uh, needs to attend to joy a little bit more. You know, we're really great at stepping into crisis and providing help, um, and that's really important. Uh, but I remember reading this quote, I can't, um, remember where I read it exactly. I'm pretty sure it was Dorothy Day. Uh, she said something like, I'm sure she said it better than this, but she said something like, you know you have been welcomed into a community when you're not just part of its grief, but also part of its joy. When you get to enter the celebrations, that's when you know that there's some mutuality there. Um, Richard Foster said, there is no leveler of the caste system like festivity. When we celebrate together, the dividing lines fade. We become a true community, not just helpers and helpies. You know, our insistence on joy in the face of darkness is a recognition of what is coming and what is already here. And the world was created good. And though it has fallen, its renewal began almost as soon as it fell. The enemy was vanquished at the death and resurrection of Jesus, and the good king crowned at his ascension. Our God has never given up on us, never let us go, continually calls us back to life. Even the bits of our faith that might seem boring or difficult or whatever, they have life and joy as their end. Um, listen to Jesus's words from John 15. He says, if you keep my commands, you remain in my love, just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy might be in you and your joy might be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. All obedience to Jesus is about remaining in love and letting our joy be complete. And not just later, but now. I listened to this uh, TED talk by this Benedictine monk 
Um, he writes and talks a lot about gratitude. And in his TED talk, he advised people to attend to each moment, asking this question, what is the opportunity that this moment offers? He says that's consistently the thing that we're, that's available to us to be grateful for, the opportunity of any particular moment. Um, that's not really the part that struck me. That's a good practice, but that's not the part that struck me. So right after he says this, he says, usually the opportunity that we are given is just to enjoy. Um, sometimes he said something more difficult is asked of us, but most of the time it's just joy. Now, I've asked myself that question a lot uh, since listening to that TED talk. What's the opportunity of this moment? And he's right. It's usually just, oh, to enjoy my sandwich or to listen to the birds. Like it's almost always joy. And that has really changed me. Um, Cause I think it's true for most people. Like even people who are struggling with really hard things, still so many moments offer the opportunity for joy. I used to think that there was more evil in the world than goodness, but this idea has flipped that for me. That practice has convinced me that that's not true, that it's just an illusion. You know, sin has created awful, awful, awful things. And evil is terrible and the depths of it sometimes are just unimaginable to me. Um, I don't want to di diminish that, but the goodness of God's creation has not capitulated to it. What was good remains good. And thanks be to God, what has been broken is being made whole. We have reason to celebrate. And sometimes that celebration requires a little effort on our part. Sometimes just as much effort as some of the less fun disciplines. Uh, some of you had really lovely gifts for this, and we saw those gifts come alive at the beginning of the pandemic, right? And games for kids to play despite the distance, and sidewalk chalk, and rainbows in the windows, and flowers delivered to front porches. Um, Tony is one of the people who's really, really good at this. Uh, most. I think maybe most of you know, but we have a full-size trampoline in our house, like 10 feet by seven feet inside our house. Um, we have two slides in the house, actually one because Tony took one outside uh, to make a water slide for this little pool that we have. A pool that I thought was too much trouble, but that Tony has set up and taken care of. And our kids swim in it like every day. Uh, he built a castle in our basement here and a spaceship in the basement of our old house. We have a bouncy slide and a bouncy castle. You know, as I was and as I was preparing for this sermon, I was writing down this list of all these like joyful things that Tony has given to our family, and I realized that I have been either against each of them or like just tolerant of them. Um, and I wrote next to my list, "Lord, forgive me for being so miserly." Some of you have gifts like Tony's and we need your gifts now, right? This pandemic is getting long and there are so many unknowns that come with it. People like me need you to help teach us how to have joy in the midst of the darkness. And people like me also need to do things that help cultivate that same joy in ourselves, to practice gratitude, to remember how small we are in the grand scheme of things so that we don't take ourselves too seriously that we might learn to laugh at our mistakes instead of groveling in them. We might throw a party at a safe distance or be like Tony, you know, put an inordinate amount of work into something just because it's fun and call it a spiritual discipline 
a resistance to the forces of evil. I actually think that um, for people who are relatively well off, fasting is a good practice to cultivate joy. Um, that doesn't sound very joyful, but it's really easy to take things for granted when they're really easy to come by. So I think we need to fast from time to time to remember how good they are and do whatever you have to do. Let it be a discipline if it needs to be, but find a way to enter joy, even in the midst of struggle. And we are both people of the struggle and people of the party. We hold both at the same time. And we don't grieve as those who have no hope, as Paul says in Thessalonians. And also our celebrations are full of the depth and hopefulness of those who are well acquainted with grief, but who trust in a good God. We are the people who can look squarely into the darkness and dance. Please pray with me. Lord, teach us to delight. Please open our eyes to so much goodness that you have given and to, the, to just the incredible good news of your gospel. That when things get dark, still we might find a reason to celebrate. And that our joy would not be false or faked. That we wouldn't force a smile. But Lord, that it would come out of... Um, the way you have formed us into your likeness, that it would be the fruit of your spirit in us. Lord, teach us the ways that we might resist the darkness um, by pressing into the light. In Jesus' name, amen.